Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Patsy Deference is brought to you by FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. Three-time Super Bowl champion, brand new and old star of the Big Ten as he makes his way back to the Midwest and is on TV for the Big Ten Network and future Patriots Hall of Famer. James White back on Pat's Interference as we have football this week. It is game week, and I'm so excited to talk to you, James, A, just generally, but B, going big picture because we're all about to kind of zoom in and narrow in and all the stats and the deep dives and the depth charts and the plays and the counters and the this and that and blah, blah, blah. And we're going to do that on the podcast. So it's going to be a lot of fun. <laughs> but today is about big picture. And today is about why I believe the Patriots, despite everything that they're facing, are going to make back to the playoffs. And we're going to map out that case. And I, I actually didn't even ask you this. Do you agree with me if they're going to make the playoffs? Because that was your no. homework. Is to map yeah. out the case. <laughs> no, I hope no, you're no, not no. doing so disingenuously. I, no, I, I agree with you. I think okay. obviously everybody around the division, you know, got better. You know, made some superstar moves and all that. But got the best coach in the division, best coach in the NFL. That that's the biggest factor in anything. So I I think they have a great chance to make it. Awesome. See, there, there is a TV vet, a professional. The soundbite is short. He gives you a reason why. He gets off, passes the ball back. Uh, here's the plan for today. And again, this latest episode is brought to you by FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. I gave James a list of three to four things under the radar reasons for the case that the Patriots will make it back to the playoffs. And I took off the table for him because we all know if you've been paying attention at all, uh, you win the turnover battle, you're probably going to win the game. You get more explosive plays you're probably going to win the game. If Mac Jones plays his best football, the Patriots have a good chance, field position, all of that stuff. Limited penalties, off the table. Finishing better than 32nd in the league in red zone offense, off of the table. So what three or four oh, things? Oh, he's, are you he's still oh no! <laughs> <laughs> that was a late addition. Okay, spoiler alert. James could be talking about the red zone. But before we get to that, because you have your list, I have mine. These are things I think if people watch, not just in September and October, but November and December, this will be true all year. A good bellwether of whether the Patriots are fulfilling these things or not. That'll tell you, are they on the right track or are we heading back to, you know, a fifth year without a playoff win? Um, but before we get to that, I want to uh, take a big swing here. This is a flea flicker that was not on the call sheet that we did not run in practice because it wasn't on the rundown. And I'm just going to pitch this back to you, James, and I want to see how far you can throw it. And you'll feel free to check down. <laughs> but I think what the people would want to know, from you as someone who, you know, retired basically just a year ago and still in contact with some folks back in Foxborough. I don't know how much, but however comfortable you are sharing with whatever you know, what's the state of the team like from as, as far as James White knows? What, what does James White know about this team right now? Uh, for me, I, I feel like they're confident. You know, last year, 
obviously it was kind of a, a work in progress, especially offensively. You know, they were kind of installing things on the fly, you know, learning each other on the fly as far as Maddie P. Joe Judge, Mag Jones, and then the chemistry just wasn't there all throughout the season. As you can see, you know, Mac was frustrated, Maddie P was frustrated. I'm sure Bill was was frustrated. So it's a kind you know, way they, of putting it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the fans were frustrated. Yeah. So yeah. I think the state of the team right now, I think. I think they're pretty confident of the offensive line struggled, you know, all throughout preseason, but it wasn't the starting guys. Those guys have been banged up. I think as long as those starting guys are out there, you know, this week against Philly, I think that's going to give them the greatest chance. As long as those five guys, you know, Trent, you know, Mike Amwenu, Cole Strange, you know, David Andrews, whoever that fifth guy is going to be, as long as those guys are in a cohesive unit throughout the year, I feel like those guys should be extremely confident. I know everybody's kind of worried about the receiver position and all that. I think they have a lot of depth at the receiver position, you know, different body types. They may not have whatever a Stefan Diggs or Devontae Adams, but I feel like, you know, in all Patriot offices, you know, we never had like guys, you know, you would call that, but we had some great guys that, you know, at what they can do, you know, Julie Elliman, great, great in the slot. If you line him outside, he's going to win. He's going to, you know, run those rub routes. He's going to win in one-on-one coverage in the slot, that type of thing. You got Gronk. He's a, big body target, physical, all that stuff. So you have different types of guys who are just really great, you know, kind of what they do. And I think they have those type of guys on the roster. So I think they should be confident. We didn't see much of, you know, the guys that you're going to see on Sundays during the preseason. But I think a part of that was to to keep them healthy, keep them fresh and ready to go. And a part of the, the O-line wasn't healthy either. I'm sure he didn't want to throw Mac out there, you know, with that offensive line that we saw, you know, throughout the preseason. But I think they should. At this point in the season, there's still, you know, some time before, you know, Sunday rolls around. They're playing a really good football team, you know, coming up Sunday based off of last season. But I think they should be confident. And I think having Bill O'Brien, especially on the offensive side of things, was still more confidence. And everybody within the organization, I feel like everybody believes they're going to score more points. They believe they're going to be more efficient to, because they have a guy who's proven, who's done it there. He's done it elsewhere. You know, he's... We've played against him. I mean, I don't know how many guys, you know, there right now have played against him when he was with the Texans, but he's a really good offensive mind. And and obviously Bill is very fond of him. That's why he brought him back. And I think he'll change things offensively. Well, the way I put it, and we don't have to go deep into this because we'll get to your to-do list, we'll get to mine, and then we got some mailbag questions at the end, is I think Bill O'Brien is just going to reach for that low-hanging fruit. You know, certain plays or schemes or, you know, r- running more play action passing the ball more often on first down, getting the ball to players like Kendrick Bourne, who is, spoiler alert, third best after the catch in 2021, and then didn't get as many opportunities to run with the ball after the catch in 2022. Things like that, that I think, you know, were left on the table, left on the tree that he'll reach for and grab. Um, but the confidence is something that I've heard too. So that that feels validating for me, um, someone yeah. who has contacts within the team but didn't <laughs> play for them and win as yeah. many Super Bowls as you did. Uh, so let's run on the run right through this. The backdrop, just for the folks who haven't checked places like FanDuel to understand what the Patriots are projected to do or any other NFL outlet or, or sports book, they're over under win total seven and a half. So even if they outperform that, they could still finish eight and nine like they did last year, exceed expectations. What we're talking about here is nine and eight or ten and seven or even better. But judging by their playoff odds, odds makers are giving them 25 to 30% chance, and they're projected to finish fourth in the AFC East. But you know what we say to the gods of Vegas? You are usually right, but today is not one of those days. So number one on the list of reasons the Patriots will make it back to the playoffs, according to James White, is what? For me, it's not very under the radar. I think it's very clear. They're going to have to beat 
the Buffalo Bills. The Buffalo Bills are a team that's, you know, swept us, you know, what, the past, well, like, three seasons or so, two or three seasons. We've really struggled in big games against them, you know, in the regular season and the playoffs a couple years ago, whatever it was. So you're going to have to beat the likes of the Buffalo Bills. You're going to have to – I think you're going to have to beat every single team in the division at least one time. I know we, we swept the Jets last year, but they've got Aaron Rodgers now. So they'll be – a lot more competitive and a lot more hard to stop. They have Dalvin Cook added to the list. You know, having to beat those teams, beat the Dolphins. The Dolphins added Jalen Ramsey to their defense. So it's going to be challenging this upcoming year, but we're going to have to go to toe-to-toe with these teams. You're going to have to at least steal one game. You can't, you know, get swept by every single team in the division. There's no chance you're making the playoffs. So this division got better. I still believe, like, we had the best coach. We have a good roster. We're going to have to win those football games within the division. That's That's my first thing, which I don't think is – you know, kind of under the radar, but especially the Buffalo Bills, because they've had our number, you know, for several seasons. I'm sure they're riding high, sitting on their high horse, but I don't think they're that much of a better football team than anybody else in the division. I know maybe they think so, but I, I don't think there's that much of a difference. I don't think it really has been that much of a difference, you know, you know, for the last several years. They've just played better within that matchup. So just executing and those division games at home and on the road. Well, I'm glad you brought them up because you're right. It's not an under the radar thing, but I think largely it's been under discussed yeah. how much the Bills have just flatly owned the Patriots, partly because no one in New England wants to talk about <laughs> being one in five against the Bills the last three seasons or yeah. one in six when you include the wild yeah. card yeah. game. I forgot the one game. Win. I forgot the, I forgot the one game where we threw the ball three times. I forgot yeah. about that. Right. And that's it. Like those were played under circumstances in which you could never replicate. So when you chalk up, yeah, you did beat the Bills. You scored more points than they did. Josh Allen was at the doorstep of the end zone and couldn't get it in there to win the game. But you're not going to play another football game, which you only pass three times. Um, I remember asking Josh McDaniels about this. And you were part of those teams that, that struggled towards the end. And fun fact, I, I don't think you know this. Since Sean McDermott took over in 2017, Tom Brady had more interceptions than touchdown passes against the Buffalo Bills. That's 17, 18, and 19. And then, as I just said, they're one and six the last three years since then. What was what was so hard about playing them? Like, obviously, there's good players. That's a scheme that is kind of what we do. What we do. There's some disguise last second. They're very good in the red zone. But besides all the things I can write about and see as someone on the outside, when you're inside playing the Bills or preparing for the Bills, like, what, what made that roadblock so much higher? I mean, they're just very well coached defensively. And, I mean, you almost just have to take what the defense gives you. They have two guys on the back end. I know they've been banged up, you know, throughout the last several years. But Micah Hyde, Jordan Poyer. They do a good job of keeping a, a umbrella on that defense. Like you said, they do a great job of disguising. And when they're off the field, the defense is completely different. But when they're on the field, I mean, I think they just sure everything up. And I think a big part that they're going to be missing this year is Tremaine Edmonds. He's a really good linebacker. I know they still have Milano. Those two guys, you know, the linebacker position were great as well. Great in pass coverage, can blitz, are solid against the run. They're not, you know, run killers, but – if if you get your hands on them, you you win in those matchups. But they're good at diagnosing plays. But they play just extremely well together. And like Sean McDermott does a good job of putting those guys in the right position to succeed. Tre'Davious White at corner. You know they added Elam. You know Taron Johnson's been playing good. So they have the right guys for that defensive scheme that they're playing. And those guys have been in the system for you know three, four, five years together. So I think that cohesiveness makes it it makes it hard. And yeah, they just, play like, fast. yeah, they play fast. And they, I said, that scheme is just perfect for them. They do a great job disguising it when they get to the ball. And those, they're one of those teams, like, you have to take what, take what they give you, take what they give you, take what they give you. Then you finally get that one 
open shot, you got to hit it because it's probably, you're probably going to get it, you know, once or twice a game because that's how technically sound they are. And it's, it's hard. Not everybody's willing to, you know, just take what a defense gives them over and over and over. You get a little, you want to get aggressive eventually. And, you know, there's, you know, Micah Hyde making a play or they send a blitz and they haven't blitzed all game. They get a strip sack or, you know, now they add Von Miller to the, to the punch yeah. list right there. Who's, you know, the closer for them, which is a big piece that they've been missing for a while. So, they're just a really good football team. They have the right pieces, you know, for their defense. Well, and of course, the biggest piece is on the other side of the ball, and that's Josh yeah, Allen. Yeah, making, yeah well, that too. Yeah. Making an <laughs> unprecedented jump, which I don't mean that in any way to dismiss your analysis because I asked about the defense. I mean, that's been the roadblock. They didn't throw a touchdown pass in four straight games against the Bills from 2020 into 2021. Matt gets a garbage time in that wild card playoff game. It's just really difficult to crack that scheme for the way the Patriots offense was built, and partly why I thought change was due last year. Um, maybe not the change that they brought about, but as that's happening, Josh Allen is making a unprecedented leap from the statistics he produces rookie as a second year player to being one of the best quarterbacks in the league and projected to be someone who could be uh, many years down the road, hall of fame consideration, but obviously he's got a long way to go there. All right. Number one for me, offensively, I think the Patriots need to maximize their yards after catch this season. And we know there are two ways to gain yards passing it's through the air or it's yards after catch. And when you start with the offensive line, which you already mentioned, I look at this as a group that you just can't ask routinely to hold up for five, seven-step drop type of yeah. passing game. And the good news is they haven't done that. I've been writing for three, four weeks. This is an offense. We've seen a lot of RPOs, ton of quick game, some play action, screens and screens and screens and screens. <laughs> and you look at the players they added in the offseason. They chose Juju over Jacoby Myers because right. of his yeah, yards true. after catch. And he was <laughs> sixth in the league last year, according to Next Gen Stats, in terms of the yards after catch that he actually gained versus what you would expect based on Field location, proximity of the defenders, how fast you're going, what you would expect there for an average receiver. So he's one of the best yards after catch, whether it's the raw stats or the specialized ones. And I already mentioned Kendrick Bourne was third in that same statistic in 2021. So this encapsulates, A, getting those free easy yards, but also B, empowering your receivers, then throw in Demario Douglas, who's this kind of jitterbug slot guy, to do the heavy lifting for you. And I think if they're doing that, you're getting the ball to those guys in open space. You don't need to call the perfect play. You just get your playmakers <laughs> ball, <to> ball <laughs> which sounds simple enough, but that's how they're building this offense. And I think that's what they need to do more so than take deep shots or the way they were trying to run offense last year. And Devontae Parker's really good at that, but he's another guy, sneaky, 2.3 yards more than expected after the catch. So I think for me, that's a big part of this offense. I don't know what you see in that department though. Yeah. I, I think that's a, that's always been a huge part of our offense, especially when Josh McDaniels was there, you know, like a lot of people in the media and, and all that stuff, you know, they would make say Tom to check down quarterback and all that, because, you know, it just did a great job of getting the ball in you know, my hands, Julian's hands, Danny Amendola's hands, Deion Lewis's hands, just letting us work. Like, essentially like what I was saying about the Buffalo Bills defense, just take what the defense gives you. Let, let your playmakers work. And I think, I believe Max said he wants to get back to to Alabama, Mac, and you know, Alabama. They did a lot of RPOs, getting the ball to Jalen Waddle, getting the ball to Jerry Judy, getting the ball to Devontae Smith, and and letting those guys work. And I think that's what Bill O'Brien. I'm sure they probably went back and watched some of the Alabama tape. I know they didn't, you know, he wasn't coaching there when when Mac was there, but I'm sure they talked some of the same language. I'm sure Bill O'Brien kept some of the same verbiage. Know the next year that they had the previous year, so I'm sure they'll get back to some of that and just find things that Mac does well. I mean, that's what everybody in the league's doing. You know, RPOs, easy access throws. You know, taking 
advantage of the defense weaknesses. They have two lined up over three. You're throwing a swing out to number three, you know, making sure your numbers are right. So I feel like there's going to be a lot of that. And they, they have a lot of different body types. I love Mike Kosecki, having Hunter Henry and Mike Kosecki is going to cause mismatch problems for a lot of defenses trying to figure out, you know, whether they want to put linebackers on both of them, which safety you can have a safety on, you know, Kosecki or safety on Hunter Henry. And then one of those guys got to win type of thing. And I think it's going to be huge for him. I think the, the run after catch thing is, is de- or they call it yards at the ca- catch, whatever they want to call it. Yeah, now. Yeah. They switch it up, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yak, 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 yak instead of rack, run out the catch. I don't know, but <laughs> I think that'll play a huge factor this year. And, you know, you hit on it there quickly, the idea of two over three, which basically, you know, when you divide the field into thirds from an offensive standpoint, you got the left, middle of the field, and over the right. The defense can't have a plus one, you know, in all thirds, yeah. but yeah. just <laughs> the way you, you line up. So you're looking for either a two over two and hoping you can make the guy miss, or if you get a plus one on your side, you have three receivers and only two defenders over there. Like you said, that's an easy bubble. It's a quick screen there. And I think that speaks to the league-wide trend the last four or five years of playing a lot more too high coverages, that structure with the Vic Fangio tree. Vic Fangio, by the way, in the division. So that's a defense that's going to give you free access, left, right, or middle, and just finding that space because it's going to have to be an efficiency offense. Like this will be a big play offense, I think, because of the yards after catch. But you need to execute within 10 yards of the line of scrimmage before you can dream downfield the way this is set up. I mean, I don't know if you see any more of that. There's kind of conversations about a lot more guys employing that kind of too high structure. Like there's always trends within the league. Things change, but I think that's where we're at now. And offensively, that's why you see teams like San Francisco and Kansas city, great rosters, good coaching staffs, but they lead the league in yards after catch. They're up there at the top and they're also getting to the super bowl, winning it or coming up just short. Yeah. Everybody has their, their different sets of game plans. I feel like a lot of teams, end up going to like that more too high safety shell, especially when you're matching up against, you know, the likes of Patrick Mahomes, who if you give him a single high safety, you got Tyree Hill, you know, on the outside, great chance that ball's going up in there, you know, down the sidelines. So you want to, you know, make those guys check it down as much as possible. And like I said, it's kind of like the Buffalo Bills thing, you know, see how long you know, those quarterbacks are going to take those five yard passes. They, they get antsy. They want, they want to make a play for their team. So they're going to make you work it all the way down the field. And then, when you get inside the 10-yard line, you know, that deep ball is eliminated. So let's see, let's figure out if you're going to read this defense out down here. You got to speed up your process a little bit, see if you can make the right throw. So I think that's a huge part of what defenses do. But everybody, every team has like their own techniques, obviously, and their own strategies. Bill's a little bit different. He's going to scheme it up based on whatever offense he's playing. You know, one week he's going to play too high. One week he's going to play cover zero. One play. You know, one week he's going to play cover one, whatever it is, to to win the football game. And, you know, some defensive coordinators are just going to do what they do, kind of like Big Fangio. So no matter who they're matching up. So it all depends on the defensive coordinator or head coach, depending on what they want to go out there and execute against what offense they're playing. Okay, so you've heard me say before that you can win with the Patriots season over at FanDuel, America's number one sports book. You bet there, they win, you win too. Well, right now, new customers at FanDuel can bet $5 and get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed. That's win or lose for the Patriots. Plus, all customers who bet $5 will get $100 off NFL Sunday ticket from YouTube and YouTube TV. This is for all you folks who live outside New England. Now is the best time to join FanDuel. The app is easy to use. You can be on with everything from spreads to player props and more. We give out bets here on the podcast all the time. More are coming. Listen and bet on FanDuel and visit FanDuel.com slash Boston and kick off the NFL season with an offer you don't want to miss from FanDuel, the official partner of the NFL. 
Must be 21 year older and present in Massachusetts. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus is issued as a non-withdrawable bonus bet that expires seven days after receipt. Restrictions do apply. See terms at fanduelcom sportsbook. Hope is here. Gambling helpline ma.org. Call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. Play it smart from the start. GameSenseMA.com or call 1-800-GAM-1234. The NFL Sunday ticket offer ends on September 18th, 2023. That's the day after the Patriots week two game against Miami. No refunds. Terms and embargoes apply. $100 off NFL Sunday ticket, not YouTube TV itself. YouTube TV base plan requires you to watch uh, NFL Sunday ticket. Redemption requires a Google account and current form of payment. Commercial use is excluded. Subscription renews automatically, but you can cancel at any time. Uh, Quick aside, the most, I could do the nice thing and say challenging. Personally annoying defensive coordinator for you to face who just made your study a little harder a little more difficult blitz came from the opposite side and you just got there in time but just kind of had you on your toes and just shaking your head a little bit more often than the other ones uh had to be definitely between todd bowles and rex ryan that 100 <laughs> those two they, they they love blitz and love putting a bunch of dbs on the field you know walking guys around just challenge your communication especially on third down what i what i played a lot and you just always knew I was going to have to pick up at least like five or six plus blitzes every time we played those types of guys. So those were always the the roughest games to play. <laughs> but when you scored, leaked yeah, out, well, got a one-on-one, made it, made it. it was a little sweeter. Oh, yeah, 100%. Okay. When, you, when, you, when you beat the blitz, they send the house, and I finally have that free release to get the one-on-one route on somebody, and I score. That's definitely the best feeling. <laughs> well, that choice route. That sweet, sweet choice route. Yeah, I love it. All right, number two in your list, must-dos, must-to-dos for the Patriots to make it back to the playoffs. Uh, for me, I mean, I, I'll save the, the red zone efficiency for last because I know you just <laughs> said that, that you're trying to X that out. It's for, I think this defense is going to be really good like they were last year. But to me, those young corners, they're going to have to play well. It's Christian Gonzalez, you know, Jack Jones, you know, Jonathan Jones. Who's going to who's gonna match up and try and eliminate guys like, you know, Stephon Diggs, Garrett Wilson, Tyree Hill, Jalen Waddle. In order to, to win those, you know, one game or two games against those division foes, you know, those guys are going to have to play huge. I think this defensive front is one of the best in the NFL. They're probably like eight deep on the defensive front. It's going to have a great pass rush, but no pass rush can get to the quarterback in, you know, a half a second, one second if you're getting beat by Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle, Garrett Wilson, guys who can, you know, get open extremely quickly and run good routes. So I think these guys are extremely talented, especially Jack. You saw what he did last year a little bit. I know he didn't play a huge amount of big time snaps. Will he be suspended for a few games? I don't know if that'll take place next season, whatever, whatever. But are they going to have Jonathan Jones, you know, garden number one receiver again? Are they going to let him play in the slot where he feels the most comfortable? I think this young secondary is going to, they're going to be tested. I think these guys have all the talent in the world, but can you match up against those guys when the team needs it? Because I said, you match up against the Buffalo Bills, you got to shut down Stephon Diggs because the, the ball's coming to him at least 10 times a game. Match up against the Dolphins, I mean, you got two guys to worry about who who run four four two. So <laughs> that ball's getting spread around like crazy, and they're, they're going to find ways to get him to him. Especially, they're, they're going to challenge. They're going to challenge Christian Gonzalez. They're going to challenge Jack Jones. I mean, they're they're good players, but they're going to they're going to challenge Jonathan Jones. And like I said, even with Garrett Wilson too. Obviously, that's going to be you know Aaron Rodgers' favorite target. So I feel like the passing offenses in especially in the I mean in the NFL in general, but in the division are going to be hard to match up against. And those guys are going to have to play big and like I said, get out the put your big boy pants on. You're going to get beat. Sometimes you got to, got to come back and strap it up again because I mean, I don't know what's going to be their MO on defense this year. I know bill, you know, in passes, 
in the past has ran a lot of man coverage. I think last year they probably ran a little bit more zone than they ever did. So will they stick they to a little bit? Will they stick to a little bit more zone this year with the young corners, or will they put these guys, you know, out on the island one on one on the outside against some of these guys? I'm kind of interested to see how that's going to be because there's tough matchups all throughout the you know AFCs. So it's funny you mentioned the zone because I'll just jump to my number two. We got a lot of overlap here. I wanted to go with the young corners, and I just thought, you know, because of the Jack Jones situation. I don't want to feel like I'm asking Dan Christian Gonzalez, you have to be an all pro. Like that's unreasonable, right? Yeah, like he's yeah. a rookie. The receivers you just mentioned he'll face if it's him and Jonathan Jones and then giant question mark behind them as far as outside yeah. corner go, yeah. that's a lot to ask. Um, but my answer was to play a little bit more too high, lean a little bit more zone. And would you believe me, James White, if I told you last six weeks of last season, the Patriots played more zone snaps than any defense in the league. I believe it. I like I said, you know it, who did not believe it when I told him <laughs> was Bill Belichick. Don't even play any man. I'm like, yeah, look, I, I can give you my source. It doesn't mean you're going to agree with me or it's your job to, to look up or fact check. I cite the source sports info solutions does a great job, but that's what they had. And you know what? It paid off for the Patriots because when they played zone specifically with a four man rush in front of it, they were the second best defense in the league by opponents passer rating and that spoke obviously to Matt Judon and Josh Uche and Christian Barmore this year it'll be Keon White throwing there Dietrich Wise had a career year I also think it mitigated concerns you had back then which was you know for, forget Jonathan Jones and Jack Jones we were talking about Quantre Mosley and Tay <laughs> Hayes is no longer here but neither of them are here okay and they made it work by playing more zone I just think when you have Mahomes Allen twice Rogers twice Herbert's on the schedule Jalen Hurts is coming up in five six days yeah. um Dax on the schedule it helps to help your corners by playing a style that you leaned into a little bit last year, but gives you a little bit more cushion. As much as I love the Zach playing more single high and man, I think it's just, it suits the talent you have in the pass rush up front and kind of softens the corners. I don't know what you make of any yeah. of that. No, I think they definitely should play a lot more. So like I said, putting the young guy, you know, in, in those matchups all year long, it's, <laughs> it's going to be hard. Like I said, he's going to, he's going to lose some, he's going to win some. But to soften up and zone and probably let him keep everything in front of him, eyes on the quarterback, I think that'll play huge, especially with the pass rush, push, pass rush that they have. I think it'll, it'll play big. I mean, you have guys who can, you know, Judon can win one-on-one, Uche can win one-on-one, Barmore can win one-on-one, Gotcha can win. I mean, you have, you have guys all across the board who can who can win those matchups and you just allow for those DBs to, you know, not be stressing, playing man-to-man coverage, bump and run, you know, all game long. I mean, some all-pro guys can't hold up you know, all game long. So I think it'll help for those guys' confidence as well. Obviously, they're going to play man-to-man coverage regardless. Bill's not going out there just playing zone the entire game. But I think that'll be a confidence booster for those guys for sure because, I said, it's I – mean, when we had guys like Stephon Gilmore, J.C. Jackson, and Jonathan Jones, yeah, we play – we play probably play probably 60 70% yeah. man against some teams because we were that confident, you know, in their ability. But to put – Gonzalez, who's never played an NFL down just yet, you know, out there for, you know, 40 man-to-man cover snaps in the game. That's that's a lot to ask for until he builds that confidence. So I think that's a that'd be huge for them to play a little bit more zone once again this year. And you know, I mentioned the, the pass rush, which was obviously good. 54 sacks, most of the Belichick era. I'm on the record saying I think they could be even better this season, which would rival some of the Super Bowl teams. Yeah. But part of the pressure they generated, obviously, was scheme. You know, you have Bill Belichick. He's yeah, going to help yeah, you yeah, out yeah. with generating pressure. But they did it still with four and a lot of 
what I've learned to, you call sim pressures, you know, someone yeah. on the front line of the defense drops, drops out send them back. Yeah, and a second, <laughs> third level defender jumps in and they kind of spin the dial. Their most common coverage behind that was cover two. So you're getting to a safe place in the back end with a safe rush in front. I mean, we just talked about Todd Bowles and Rick Ryan. Were, did those become a little bit more in vogue later in your career? Am I just paying attention a little bit more to them? Like Rex Ryan was running them before you got in the league, and I'm sure they yeah. were run well before yeah. he was in the league himself. But kind of like we just talked about the, the too high structure and becoming more in vogue. Is that something else you've seen? Because when they ran it last year, I think that was some of their most effective calls of these sim pressures, four-man rush, someone drops off the line of scrimmage and is replaced by a linebacker or safety that they ran all year. And I, I would like yeah. to see more of them. Yeah, I feel like it depends on the team. Some teams, you know, are going to do the simulated pressure. Some guys are, you know, sitting five. And essentially, you know, some guys, you know, just kind of still play his zone. Some teams match it up. It's, it essentially is like man-to-man defense with a five-man pressure, you know, but there's still going to be voice in the defense. So I think it just kind of depends on the coach. I feel like teams are playing a lot more, you know, cover two now than like I've seen when I was playing. Obviously, some teams that were that was like their their go-to thing. I remember playing – you know, the Steelers, I might have been 2018 or 19. I don't know what year it was, but I remember we used to play them. They used to play like the, the blitz zone type of thing. They they rush five. Their, their linebackers matched up against Julian Edelman, and obviously Julian's winning that battle, 99 out of 100, or 100 out of 100, I should say. But then they – I think we played them that year, and they started running like an invert cover two, you know. Yes, it was drop, 18. Yeah, 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 it was yeah. it was 18. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you know, sorry, I'm just gonna sink into this because that was my first year in the beat, and I was so happy when I found this. <laughs> Who did that to you a month earlier was when you guys Colts. got your butt kicked yeah. at Tennessee. Oh well, Tennessee and the Colts kind of threw it. We we struggled with them in 2018 too. They kind of we would like line up an empty, they'd give a man-to-man indicator, and they they end up running zone. I mean, we won the football game, but that gave us fits, you know, all throughout the game. So I feel like a lot more teams just as the years went on, started playing like cover two, trying to disguise it, you know, invert cover two, all that type yes. of stuff. But the Pittsburgh was one of those that that was like one of the first years they started making making adjustments like that, and we struggled with it. <laughs> yeah, which was which doubly painful because you're coming off the Miami miracle, like just completely embarrassing coaching failure. Why is Gronk on the field? Why is he diving? Oh my God, they won the game. What happened? Like you're about to clinch the division. Okay, we'll just get the next one. Oh no, that's in Pittsburgh, also doing something never seen before for that adjustment and for the folks who don't know what kind of what we're discussing this inverted cover too you know normally you start with two deep safeties that's what they do they stay deep they play in zone what the inverted version that does is starts in single high and that player will drop down in the middle like instead of seeing a mike linebacker go up the middle of the field he comes down and then you have two players pop out (laughs) yeah or your corners go back and play that kind of shell like there are a couple different ways to get to it and i remember thinking after the titans game going okay who are the teams on their schedule moving forward that has you know, the best roster to to execute this plan, which obviously flummoxed Brady, Vrabel's first or second year down there, like great game plan by him. Pittsburgh was number one on that list. And then it was like Kansas City, probably not. They're more of a pressure team, more man yeah. team. The Chargers are going to play cover three until after they've given up 150 points yeah. and then they're going to yeah. continue to do it, which is what <laughs> they did. And you score that many on them in the divisional round game. But the point was, you know, they could do it and they played more zone and they had a better format rush. So anyway, um, yeah, I'm so glad you said that. Obviously, I don't know how many people listening to this are, but uh, it makes me want to go dig up that film because it, you it was a 17-14 game, and you just you didn't have many of those. Period with Brady, uh, let alone the Super Bowl season. Yeah, yeah, man, it's it's tough. Like I said, when you go up against a team, they do some 
all year long. But when they play you, they have a completely different scheme. And like I said, running like invert cover two. Obviously, you know, Tom's the greatest quarterback of all the time, but just to, you know, throw him off just a little bit and could try and confuse him a little bit or all of us completely because you're running routes on something that you didn't necessarily practice against. It could take, you know, two quarters, three quarters, sometimes four quarters for some teams to, you know, finally adjust to it because, you know, your plays were doctored up for, for something else. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you got to redraw it up on the sideline and the locker room to kind of figure things out. All right. You want to talk about red zone offense? Yep. Yeah. The red zone offense is definitely fire away. That, that was one of my things. I think, I mean, everybody kind of saw it. I know for me playing for the Patriots throughout my career, that was something that we always emphasized. I feel like we were always one of the better teams when it came to the red zone. Josh always did a great job of dialing things up based on the defense that we were playing against. I just feel like last year watching, watching the team on TV, just like the execution down there was, it was awful to say the least. Just, just watching it was like the plays were coming in late. Guys couldn't get lined up. You know, guys didn't know what they were doing pre-snap. It just, it just wasn't fluid. And it's like, they, didn't know what they were doing. Sometimes they they would drive the ball all the way down the field and they would just, you know, kind of fluster out once they get there. But those good football teams, you get down to the red zone, the good offense, you get down to the red zone, you start salivating because this, this is the time we eat. That's where the time where you, you dial up those game plan plays, you know, based on the coverages you're seeing and you figure it out, or you just, you just run it in, you just out physical a team, you know, down the red zone. I just feel like that wasn't there. And like I said, I feel like it wasn't always just coaching. It's just players probably not knowing what to do. Like I said, sometimes I feel like they were rushing to the line of scrimmage, play clock running down. You just snap the ball, negative play, and negative plays in the red zone probably equals no points more times than not. So for me, that's going to be a huge factor in this season. Like I know Bill Belich, uh, Bill O'Brien's a guy who who's been in the Patriots organization for quite some time prior to him going, you know, to Penn State or whatever Texas the Texans. So I think that's going to be a huge emphasis and something that they are going to hang their hat on this upcoming season. And I said, I love the body types that they have because like I said, the Gasecki's, the Hunter Henry's, they're going to be featured a lot in, in the red zone. I mean, I'm sure Gasecki's going to be, you know, isolated a lot in the red zone, kind of how, how Grunk was in the past. You get a safety on a one-on-one balls going up to him. You got Devontae Parker. He's, he's isolated ball can go up to him. You got Juju Smith Schuster, who's good on the inside. You can hit him on a, a little crosser, he got run after the catch. You get in the end zone. You got two backs. You got, you know, Ramondre Stevenson. You got Zeke who can run it in. You know, you got you got the you got everything you need to to figure things out. Things just having the right plays. You know, guys. You know, embracing the game plan, knowing the game plan, going to the red zone. Once you cross that twenty yard line, you already know what plays are coming. You you, you only have so many plays when you get in that that red zone category based on what you're facing against. So then, guys should have to feel that confidence and feel confident in the game plan to go out there and execute it once you step in the red zone. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Yeah, you hit on a lot there. And I just want to note for the folks listening, like having spoken with you, you know, last five years on and off for you to say the execution was awful, which is 100% accurate, means it was that bad, as we all saw. (laughs) And the numbers bear that out. 32nd out of 32 teams down in the red zone scoring touchdowns fewer than 45% of the time. 
the Patriots, if they want to get back to the playoffs, that has to be at least average 16 or, or, yeah, yeah, or better. somewhere in the middle. Yeah. Somewhere in the middle. Yeah. Just, just, <laughs> just tread water. Okay. Don't be on the bottom of the ocean. It's basically what you're asking for uh, there. And the other thing you mentioned about O'Brien and I think part of the game plan, you know, I talked about low hanging fruit. Something I didn't mention was just motion, just basic oh. stressors uh, or indicators for the defense of just making them make a check follow someone in motion, create an extra window or space. You're going to see a lot of this based on the stuff yeah. I saw at training camp. In addition to helping players, like you mentioned, a short crosser for Juju Smith-Schuster after the back flares out and it's kind of jet motion at the snap that creates a window at the second level boom slant. It's there because you need to do that there in the red zone. The windows are all going to be tight. So if you can open them up just a little bit, that <laughs> makes a difference. Or you just say F the windows. We're going to throw it up to someone tall <laughs> who's great at contested catches. Devontae Parker, Mike Kosicki, Hunter Henry, and they've been trying to major in that stuff in the red zone from what I've seen. I'm not going to give away any route combinations or things. Yeah. They're certainly not <laughs> uncommon, you know, but it's – I think they made the decision of we get on them for the receiver's lack of separation. They go, okay, we don't need to separate once we're in the 20. We just yeah. need to throw yeah. it up there and make sure we come down with it better than 50-50. Yeah. And I, yeah. I, I – <laughs> Big hot take. Think they'll be better than 32nd this department yeah, yeah. this year. I, they don't have a choice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There they yeah. Go. yeah, Bill's not Bill's not having that. Bill O'Brien's not having that. They'll be much improved. I think you brought up a great point with the shifts and motions. I know, you know, with Josh on, you know, pretty much almost every third down or play in the red zone, you were shift motioning, get the quarterback, you know, an idea of what the coverage is going to be. Like I said, I, like I would line up out there. The corner walks out. That eliminates a lot of things for for Mac in his head. It, it's, either, it's going to be zone coverage. They only run, you know, this zone coverage in the red zone. They'll run these two zone coverages. This is two high or is it one high? You got you got your answer. You know you know where you're going with the ball. I line up out there, linebackers out there. It's man to man coverage. They only run one man coverage in, in the red zone. You know what it is. I I'm going to you know whatever juju on the on the juke route across the middle. So I feel like given that the quarterback that you know, identification before the play, you just have so much more confidence. And, I mean, shifts and motions, it puts stress on the defense too, especially fast motions. You know, it looks like a shift, but got you snapping on the run, gets easy access, throw to the flat, whatever it is. I think that would be huge for them. Motion at the snap too. They were bottom five in the league last year. Again, we don't have to keep going back to 2022. (laughs) I've said that probably every episode this summer, I swear football's almost here, but it's just, again, something that was there that they didn't reach for, know how to apply. Uh, that I think is going to happen this year. My third thing, you know, is connected to the red zone scoring, but I'm just going to say first half scoring. And it's a, it's an obvious thing, but I think when you look at some of the numbers last year, 30th in first quarter scoring 25th in first half scoring. And you look at last year's leaders here, they are in order Philly, Kansas city, Buffalo, the chargers, Cincinnati, Miami, San Francisco. Those are not only all playoff teams. Those are four, all four of the conference finalists. So to me, it's not only, hey, scoring points is good, getting a lead, great. It's you get to set the terms of engagement, which I know you've heard in meetings because I've heard it from Bill, Ivan, other conversations with coaches over the years. Like you get to know this game is about outside runs and cover one. The, the better you can do that because you're taking lead, then you get to say, okay, now the game is changing. It's going to be about this and we're going to drain the clock and we're going to pick on that matchup. If you're playing from behind, your playbook shrinks offensively and partly defensively. You want to be the one to set that term of engagement to score in the first couple of drives, go into halftime with a lead and know, okay, they have to do this. So we're going to be better with that counter or this one. Is that, yeah. does that resonate? Yeah, I think, 
getting off to a fast start has always been something or an emphasis that you talk about, you know, coming out as a team. Obviously, every single game you're not going to come out, score the first possession, or be leading 7-0, 14-0. There's going to be some games we have to play from behind. But more times than not, you want to be the the team that's, you know, up 7-0 in the first quarter, up 14-7, you know, in the first quarter, because that that instills confidence. You you go out there scoring your first possession. I mean, obviously, you come out in the second possession, you're going to be a lot more confident. You go three and out in the first possession, you're probably going to be a little less confident, you know, going to that second drive. So I think a fast start is huge. I think the I think defensively they did a decent job, you know, with fast starts throughout the season. This defense is going to give the offense, you know, plenty of opportunities to go out there. I mean, you're not going to be perfect, so they're going to they're going to turn the ball over. They have guys who can who, who can get after the ball. Jack Jones, Judon, strip sacks, Uche, strip sacks. Duggar is always good at getting the ball out. Uh, Mills is good at getting the ball out. They have guys who can who can make plays on the defensive side of the ball. So offensively, I think it's, I think it's more of a big emphasis on offense than defense. Obviously, like you said. They struggled scoring points in the first half. It's it's hard, you know, struggling having seven points in the first half every single week or ten points. I mean, that's it's draining. That's I mean, I'm not a defender, I know, but I I know it's draining as a defender when you're making stops constantly over and over and over and over and over and over again, <laughs> and your offense just can't seem to score points because eventually, you know, the dam's gonna break. The defense can't hold up every single game. You know, get you the ball back. You know, for ten whatever ten possessions, whatever it is. So I think the offense just has to do a great job of emphasizing fast starts throughout the entire year. I mean, listen, some teams really rely upon, you know, the fast start thing. If they're not ahead in the, the first half, then they just end up losing most games. I think they don't have to be like like that to where they're <laughs> completely dependent on it. But just having that emphasis of, you know, if I'm if we're playing from ahead on most games, we're gonna have a chance. If you if you're up 14, you know, going into the third quarter. And let those dogs on the other side of the ball, you know, get after the quarterback. It becomes a drop drop back pass game. I think they're going to be in good shape, you know, more times than not. Yeah, here's the thing. Would you rather be driving the car or giving the directions? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's it. Patriots yeah. were dropping the map, still using a map in the age of a GPS last year and sitting in the passenger seat, fumbling it, losing out the window. This year, ideally, you get to start the drive. You get both hands in the wheel and you don't let go. Um, all right. So when I emailed you, uh, you know, kind of run down things they want to talk about, anything you wanted to prep for, I said three to four things Patriots need to do. We've both said three. I have a fourth. It's loose. It's short. It's basic. Do you have a fourth? I don't. It, it, okay. It, it was hard for me to think of, but I oh, think well, you, you had yeah. good stuff. Great yeah. stuff. And so <laughs> I'll just say this, and I don't know if this is off the wall or it's spot on, but I want to see the Patriots gamble. I want to see the Patriots have a little more F you in them. I want to see hallmarks <laughs> of the dynasty before we all recognize it was a dynasty in the making. Okay. Belichick, not just once, but twice dared a team in the Super Bowl to run on his defense. Welcome them. It was the Bills in the early 90s. The game plan is in the Hall of Fame. And then it was the Rams in their first Super Bowl win saying, we're just going to play a bunch of dime and some quarter. And you can go ahead and run with Marshall Falk when they just didn't do it. Yeah. The upsets that they had. There's the kind of sneering, snarling defense that knocked Peyton Manning out of the playoffs in back-to-back years. Again, en route to the Super Bowl. You knew they were a great team, but you didn't know in those matchups, which I think they were underdogs in one of those games at home, if they were going to win. Get back to that. This is a team that has not had a big win, a big upset, since Tom Brady left. The biggest one was probably you guys beat the Ravens in the rain in a 
Sad Sunday night game with cameras here in 2020. Yeah, okay. No one was watching. Like I couldn't see from the press box because it would look, it looked like Bill had flipped the switch and all the weather went to shit because the wind and the rain was going nonstop, but you won, but no one remembers that sadly because it was a seven to nine season with a quarterback who was really just kind of like a relationship rebound from Brady. Then on to Mac and cam gave you all I had, but it was not enough for the people around here. And I think the Patriots, even if they go, nine and eight and don't make the playoffs. If they get a little bit of that, a little bit of gambling, some offensive fakes, fake punts, whatever it might be, get back to that identity. Yeah. Make I this think... team recognizable from those early years. And I just think give it some grit, a little sneer, a little snarl, a little F you like yeah. you doubt us. Here we are. Yeah. I think it's just about a certain dominance, you know, not just against lesser opponents, but even when you play good opponents, like you said, they have a great opportunity week one. I mean, who knows with that final score, going to end up like against the Eagles, but you want to play well against those very good teams. I know something that Bill Belichick always talks about, you know, just, you know, I forget what year that was. That might've been where the defense was really carrying us on offense. Was that, oh man, what year was that? Where we were really struggling on offense, defense. They had like the, the little shirts and all that. They're kind of spooky. Season that was 19. Yeah. 19, the yeah, or, yeah. The boogeyman, all that. But we thought we were good. We were beating all the, <laughs> the sorry teams, but when it came to playing the good football teams, we really weren't that good. So I think just. Wait, so timeout. Cause the, you're, you're again, vet experience leading <laughs> me to my next question, which is going to be talking about Philly and what is Bill saying in the meeting room right now? But I, I was shocked that the boogeyman t-shirts being in that locker room went around for so long because that's just yeah. something Bill would look at and say, throw that shit away. Yeah. Like, what, what was he saying during during that point of the season? I mean, he didn't, he didn't really say anything about the shirts or anything. The defense was, they were playing, you know, really good. I mean, like I said, we were playing lesser opponents. And mm-hmm. I said, when we played good teams, we couldn't score points offensively. And obviously the defense is eventually going to give up some points. So I think – just playing the right way in big games when you play the good football teams who you expect probably to be in the playoffs upcoming season. You gotta gotta be at your best. And I think that comes with confidence. And confidence comes with you know repetitions in practice and good execution during the game. If you're, you know, not executing throughout every single week throughout the season, there's gonna be less confidence. You're not gonna feel as confident, be able to play aggressive when you're not confident. So for me, starts week one, I said a good opponent. You know, those, that team made it to the Super Bowl. I'm sure they believe, you know, they should have won the Super Bowl and they feel like they're going to go back to it. So it's a great opportunity. It's an opportunistic game to go out there <laughs> and assert dominance because, I, I mean, I don't know what's going on in the Philly side of the in their locker room and all that, but I, I'm i sure they feel like they're going to roll over the Patriots this, <laughs> this upcoming Sunday. I'm sure they're that confident. They feel they're that much better, but I don't think they're that much better. They have, you know, all the, you know, whatever the the names and all that good stuff. Number one offensive line, you know, quarterback had a huge year, MVP, all that good stuff. But like I said, it's, it's a new year. You know, everybody's trying to make a name for themselves once again. I said, there's a lot of unknown when, when it comes to week one. And I'm sure Belichick is going to have a great game plan to try and scheme up that offense they have. I mean, they have new offensive coordinator, new defensive coordinator. So there, there could be a, an adjustment period when it comes to that for them too. So we got to take advantage of that. but. I said, this is just one of those games, like what you're talking about, just, you know, gambling, maybe going forward on fourth down, having a fake punt, you know, that type of thing, or just, you know, sending the house on a, on a, you know, fourth down and five, whatever it is, just playing aggressive and making, you know, putting all the cards in your hands and see what they could do with it type of thing. I think that's going to play huge. I think, I, mean, I feel like the Patriots, they, they don't have anything to lose this upcoming year. Everybody's, yeah. you know, betting against them. Like I said, plus or minus seven wins. Everybody's doubting you. 
So, hey, you know, <laughs> let the doubters talk. You go out there, play ball. <laughs> I love it. Fire me up, James White. Uh, that all sounds great. You kind of hit on a little bit, but I do like two questions for you. Um, one, Bill is going to open Wednesday morning meetings. I've written about this meeting. Wait, breaks down the coaching staff, their influences, the franchise history, where it's been, certain games, locations, intersections of politics or war history in those teams. Last time you played, what they're about, what this game will be about based on his study and understanding and getting inside the psyche of the quarterback and the coach, and the defensive coordinator. So inside that meeting Wednesday, for all that you know about the Eagles, less than Bill, less, you know, more than I know, what what is he saying? What is this game going to be about? Um, I mean, he's going to say a lot. A whole lot of stuff. Those meetings go for, you know, like 45, 50 minutes. It's probably especially the first week of the year. But he's going to go over everything from the owner to the head coach, you know, how the owner acquired the team, whether he got a loan or was passed down from from family and <laughs> a trust fund, a trust fund kid, all that. You're going to say anything. <laughs> You're going to learn so much about the organization, how they acquired guys, how many first round picks they have. I mean, he's going to he's going to essentially like hype their team up in a sense he's going to show all the clips of you know you know Jalen Hurts you know quarterback sneaking having all those touchdowns them just asserting their dominance and that first meeting he's gonna let you know how good they were you know last season and what it's going to take for you to win that football game and then you know as the week goes on you'll see the the holes in that team you'll see you know the weaknesses that they have which most people don't see you know necessarily on tv they're they're a highly touted football team but every team you know has their weaknesses he's going to as the week goes on, he's gonna be like, "We gotta, we gotta execute this to win the football game. If we don't do this, we're probably gonna lose." Like, like I remember, like sometimes we play, you know, some teams they'll have, you know, a linebacker or a safety who really wasn't that great at tackling. It, like, he'll, he'll like hype us up and says, "Like, if this guy tackles you, like, I don't want to say it on here, but like, <laughs> like that type of thing. Like, you can't let this guy tackle you. You just go into the game just extremely confident because if I get tackled by this guy, I know I'm gonna end up." You know, on Eclipse so <laughs> on Monday morning because all what would he do- say though? What if this guy don't name the guy? If this guy tackles you, he's like, oh, I mean, I, I'll bring a tackle from this guy like that type, like that, <laughs> like, and it's like that type of thing in a sense. And that might may not be verbatim, but something along yeah, those yeah, lines. Yeah. But as the week goes on, he's just he instills the confidence in you, and you know exactly what needs to be done to win the football game. He obviously he's done it for so long, but like I said that that first day you're gonna get to see all their highlights and all that good stuff and know how good AJ Brown is, how good, you know, Devontae Smith is, how, you know, much of a runner and a threat Jalen Hurts is. But as the week goes on, you're gonna see like, um, you know, Jalen Hurts put the ball on the on the ground in the Super Bowl. That propelled the probably the Kansas City Chiefs to you know win the football. That one mistake that he had, he played a perfect game probably aside from that. But he's gonna he's gonna give you the confidence to win the football game. But that in the beginning of the week, they're gonna be talked about like they're the you know, the 85 bears and how, you know, how good they were. This deep is a front. They led the league in sacks last year. I mean, if we can't block these guys, we don't stand a chance. Like they're running around guys. Like they're playing backyard football, all that. Like, like, look at these guys. There's all their five first round draft picks. You got Jordan Davis, you got Jalen Carter, you know, Fletcher Cox. I mean, <laughs> but he, he's going to hype them up and then talk about their corners. Like, like I mean, got got Slay. Like nobody can get open against Slay. Like like, like that type of thing, just to <laughs> kind of fire you up on this. So I'm like, like man, I, I could route him up. Like, like he's not he's not really like that, even though he's a really good player. But <laughs> but that type of thing. He's he's a great coach. He's a he's a mastermind and 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 motivating players to find ways to to get you going. <laughs> Bravo, James. That was some of the best 
two minutes we've had on this podcast in over a year and a half. Thank you. I like, I felt like there was a little bill impersonation in there, the intonation, the tone, like that was, that was awesome. Thank you for doing that. Uh, I said I had two questions. I lied because one just popped into my head. You're going down the coaches, the players, the owner, whether it's a trust fund baby or not, which is just such a just kiss detail. And I'm not even going to ask about that. But when he gets to senior defensive assistant Matt Patricia, or maybe he doesn't. What is what do you think Bill says? I, I feel like he won't he won't bring up Matty P. They're 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 okay. really good friends. So I feel like they won't even bring that up. But I'm sure in the in the stab me, I mean, obviously he knows all the players within the team. He was on the team last year. There's some new guys, but obviously they're gonna know some of the intricacies of you know, maybe some of Mac's strengths and weaknesses of what he did last year, what he believes Max can do, Matt can do and what he can't do, that type of thing. So there's that, you know, element of you know, the mental side of thing or a coaching side of things, maybe the players, I don't think he'll bring up Matty P whatsoever because he's not, I mean, he's a defense. Is he coaching what, like linebackers or he's just a defensive just, assistant? Just senior, senior I, analyst. Just be an analyst, senior analyst. analyst. Yeah, yeah. It's one of these <laughs> nebulous things, like just kind of hang around, give us some feedback. But I, I'll ask you this because I'm going to write about this this week and I don't know what capacity or how deep, but I've already started to ask around the locker room to guys about this because you know, we, we, there's overlap. You, Flo was in the division for three years. Okay. That, that was a guy who knew the ins and outs, the rules, the techniques, the fundamentals, the checks, everything about the playbook. Yeah. Matty P was on both sides of the ball. And yeah. we can say about how terrible the job was that he did with Bill, with Bill and Joe Judge last year. But the fact is, he's got knowledge on both sides from a lot of different angles in these rules. How much of an impact does will that have, do you think, on Sunday? If I mean, any- I don't think it plays a, a huge factor. I think you're always going to play, you know, coach or a player or somebody who was within your organization. Obviously, they know, you know, players and what your scheme was last year, what some guys do well, what they don't. But who knows what guys are going to do on Sunday? Who knows what the game plan is going to be on Sunday? Or who knows how good guys are going to play on Sunday? So I I always find that interesting about playing like former coaches. I know that's always kind of like a like a big deal. We love media. it in the media. Yeah, yeah, James, yeah, there yeah, are very yeah. few things we love more on the list of things we love in the media than talk about former coach he used to be here. Who has the advantage? Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I feel like this is for me. I personally, I don't know. I feel like some of those coaches don't really know as much as what we think they know. I, I don't know if that oh, makes okay. sense, like that type of thing. Um, especially when it comes to like, I mean, Maddie P coached on both sides of the ball, but like what comes to like offense, knowing defense, defense, learning off. They may know like some small things, but when it comes to some of the intricate details, I feel like most coaches don't necessarily know those things. In my opinion, I don't know. <laughs> that's, that's great insight because uh, <laughs> one of the answers I got today asking about this, because I think the best offensive coaches understand defensive rules. So yeah. it's not just, hey, this is what cover three looks like. Here are the soft spots down the seams of cover yeah. three, or here's what cover two looks like. We want to hit the honey hole between, you know, seven to 20 yards down the sideline in the soft spots. They understand, okay, when we get to the goal line and we're going to play, you know, four over three and it's a box coverage and you're going to yeah. take the first left and the other guy's going to take the first right. Well, let's have them both go one way and then go back the other crisscross. Yeah. You know, I'm going to make you have two choices yeah. and both are going to be wrong. And I was curious about his knowledge of, you know, forget basics of cover two or three box yeah. coverage things that I'm sure people listening are going, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> but things that I don't know what the hell Matty yeah. would be talking about and forcing, you know, the defense to break its own rules. And the response yeah. I got was like, look, I've been here for X amount of years, this particular veteran. I don't know if an offense that knew what we had coming in. We might not have executed as well. It might not have been the right call, but like, I don't think they'll know exactly what we're going to do on Sunday. 
and then we just got to play ball. So I was yeah. like, okay, like the defense yeah. is too unpredictable. It's the yeah. playbook is too thick. They're too experienced. They've got too many checks and different tools yeah. in their back pocket. So yeah, you, you can do so many different things. I mean, he's going to understand the basic principles of obviously a Bill Belichick defense, but they can, you could tweak so many different things based on the team that you're playing against that it, you know, it doesn't necessarily matter. I think it all depends on you know the matchup you're playing against, you know, week in and week out. Some teams, they play cover three. Some teams, the slot guy, you know, carries the scene. Some, sometimes mm. the slot guy won't carry the scene based on some teams cover three. Some people, they match it as essentially man-to-man coverage. Some teams don't. So it just kind of depends on the team that you're playing against, understanding their principles and drawing up plays or drawing up defenses, you know, based on what you're going up against. And like I said, some teams are going to do what they do. They're going to match it every time. Some teams may, they may not match it based on the team they're going up against. So it's all a chess game. And that's why I say good coaching matters. <laughs> 100%. And like I said, Bill Belichick is a difference maker. <laughs> okay. Um, so I've lied now multiple times because here was the second question I had about 20 minutes ago. <laughs> really quickly. Um, and you know what? Let, let me give you my game plan for the Eagles. Because the question is, what is James White's game plan for the Eagles? As you understand this roster, this scheme, we've talked about it. It's a new defensive coordinator, but it's still going to be a too high structure. I think less pure quarter, some more cover six stuff, Fangio, blah, blah, blah. Um, I think the Patriots go tempo. I think you see a lot more RPOs. I think you see tons of screens. And I think you see some more motion that I've seen more in training camp than you did in the preseason. And all of this is an effort to misdirect and tire out a dominant pass rush. Because that's what this game is going to be about to me, is giving Mac enough time or getting the ball out of Mac's hands and having that timing. And the way you do that is not just by running the ball at them or running RPOs or running screens. It's doing everything. Oh, and then go tempo. So when they want to substitute and keep their linemen fresh, they can't because we're yeah. already on to the next play. And I think you've seen that with defensive fronts, like, you know, the Bucks game when Brady came back, similar front, you know, big guys in the middle, tire them out, go no huddle. And they've been playing a little faster with O'Brien. So that's what I think. How much of that is in James White's game plan or is none of it in James White's game plan? Now, I think tempo definitely be uh, a part of that. I think, especially week one, guys aren't going to be in a complete football shape. I think it was, I always like, you know, drawing up stories from when I played. We played the Steelers, pretty sure that was 2018, week one, and they had a pretty good pass rush. We used, you know, some no huddle to start the game off, and it it kind of wears defenses down, especially that pass rush. They're not going to be as dominant, you know, early on in the season as what they will be probably in the back half of the season. So you definitely got to mix that in, you know, screens, you know, some RPOs. You know, I think the run game is going to play a huge factor in it because that's a big part of wearing wearing down a, a pass rush. Guys who want to get after the quarterback, you you know, put two hats on Jalen Carter, put two hats on Fletcher Car- Fletcher Cox. That's a big part of, of wearing those guys, you know, out as well. I think taking some of the pressure off, you know, Mac Jones and, you know, that offensive line, the, you don't want to be dropping back, you know, throwing the ball 40 times against that against that team. That's that's the, the recipe for a disaster <laughs> versus those types of guys. So. I think it's just playing and playing a third and short, you know, playing well on first or second down, skipping those, skipping some third downs because that's it's a really good football team. I think you gotta I think you gotta stress the middle of their defense. I feel like that linebackers, that's probably the weakest part, you know, their team. So, you know, maybe getting Ramondre isolated on those guys and they have some new safeties too. So, you know, challenging them in the middle of the field, seeing how good they are. I know I don't know how much or who's gonna be their starting safeties. I know they drafted Sidney Brown, you know, from from Illinois they have it's got Edmonds from the Steelers who's not very good in coverage so I mean I know they have some new guys starting at the back end of that secondary so to, to test those guys to be, be huge in my opinion too because I think 
you know, CJ Gardner Johnson, who they had last year, he played a huge you know, part in their season. He's a versatile guy. He'll come up and hit you. He can, he can match up against slot receivers. I don't think they necessarily have that type of guy on their back end or they haven't, you know, done it just yet. I think Sidney Brown's going to be a heck of a player. He played really good this preseason. Um, <laughs> a lot of respect for what he's done so far, but interested to watch him and figure out how to use him. But another thing you mentioned is the motion, the motion, you know, killed you know the Eagles in the Super Bowl last year, giving those a lot of misdirection plays, challenging their communication, especially in the red zone. They you know, got, got beat on the same play twice, essentially, what cost them in the red zone. So, you know, stressing them when it comes to that, challenging their communication. Like I said, the challenging those linebackers and those safeties, their communication <laughs> as much as possible, that'll, that'll stress them out like crazy. Yeah, this, that's what it's about, the new linebackers and the safeties. And that's what the play action and the RPOs and different motion, I think, if you can execute that. Yeah. Like, it's all it all sounds good in theory. It sounds yeah. good to me putting on your headset on my head and pretending like I'm calling a game from the sideline. When in reality, I'm only fit to do that in Madden right now. Um, I have some of your old playbooks over here in the corner of my bookcase, but I it's been a long time since I sat with them. So anyway, it's, it's good to hear all that because I think for as much as we – you know, especially early in the season. I think this is fair. You want to honor the game and, and respect the work that goes into this. There is an element of unpredictability about what's going to happen. That's the season opener. Belichick will say it multiple times this week. It's true. But there are only so many ideas, and especially against yeah. a team that's more talented than you. It's built on its pass rush. And when you look at the weak spots, it's down the middle. So where are you going to attack? Down the middle. And that's yep. that's how you get it done. Yep. So, all right, cool. Well, a lot, I look of, forward, lot, lot done, of double dude, teams. A lot of yeah. double teams. Yeah. yeah, there we go. Uh, whenever you're done with your burgeoning TV career, uh, we will co-lead an offense. It might be Foxborough Middle School, but, you know, if you, if you got time. That's, you that's how you it. start. That's how everybody starts, right? Yeah. You got to start small. Um, all right. Three questions from the readers or listeners, and we'll get you out of here. Um, from Bader, what are your expectations for Andre? Can he be a top five back? I think he definitely can. It'd be interesting to see how they use him this upcoming season. Obviously, they signed Zeke. I think last year was was huge for Ramondre. I know Damian ended up getting hurt for a good portion of the season, and he probably played a lot more than he ever expected, but I thought he did a great job with it. He was a guy who really struggled to be in shape, you know, his rookie year. And then coming in, you know, last year was a lot was thrown on his plate. And I feel like coming to this year, I feel like the expectation for himself is going to be higher. I think Bill Bill loves the guy. He called him the franchise from, you know, <laughs> a month or two from him being the facility. So I know Bill's extremely confident in him. The ball's going to be in his hands a lot in the passing game and the run game. So he you guys get jealous be- about that, by the way? Like, this sounds so <laughs> small and petty and ridiculous coming out of my mouth. But, like, you basically had to take a red shirt year. Okay, yeah. then two years later, should have been Super Bowl MVP. <laughs> And here's Mondre walking a season and a half, like just doesn't fumble for eight weeks. Super talented, but he gets to be the franchise. Like, come on, the guys like notice down the locker room or bus jobs. No, no I mean, we, we, I mean, we get at Ramondre. We, we don't really care. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. we're all there to do a job. It's pretty, pretty funny to me, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Good. Um, we had a question from a reader. I don't know how to pronounce his name. Uh, Says some very kind things about the podcast and the work. I'm going to say Matthias uh, from Brazil. We're big in Brazil, James. Uh, in today's division, mm-hmm would the 20-year Pats dynasty really become a dynasty? So the current Bills, the modern Miami Dolphins, and Aaron Rodgers and the Jets, you know, obviously change affects every team every year, but do you think a 20-year dynasty like the Patriots had would be possible in these in the modern league? Ooh. Uh, it's going to be hard. I mean, just in the AFC East or anywhere throughout? I think throughout the question's, the- yeah, in, the, in, in this division. On uh, this division? 
it's going to be extremely hard to replicate. Uh, it's not so often you get, you know, 20 years of, of dominance from anybody. And I feel like the kind of division, I mean, the state of the division right now, I feel like it's pretty even in my opinion. I don't think there's just one team that's, you know, outmatching, you know, one another. I think, obviously I think the bills had the most stable, you know, quarterback situation at the time, you know, for the, for the long haul. So maybe they're, you know, more fit for the, the dominance factor right now. I mean, two is a really good quarterback, but the health thing, I don't know if he'll be there for the next, you know, 20 years of the Miami Dolphin Aaron Rodgers, obviously only has a few years left. So if there was a team I had to pick, it had to be the Buffalo Bills right now that could possibly do it. But like I said, I don't think they're that far ahead of anybody else, how we were like over, you know, my, you know, eight years there. Yeah. Um, and I think it's, yeah. you know, like I, <laughs> my answer would be, could any dynasty survive in this division? And I would say, okay, the chiefs aren't in the, in this division, right? They're yeah. in the AFC West. It makes it <laughs> yeah. a little bit easier, but people forget the Patriots record over those 20 years against non-divisional <laughs> opponents. Yeah. was the same percentage-wise as it yeah. was inside the division. For so, sure. <laughs> like, Mahomes is beating the Bills in the playoffs or when it matters most, and I think yeah. it could be, honestly. The, the, the only prerequisite is to have <laughs> arguably one out of the two or three or four or five, wherever you put Mahomes, greatest quarterbacks of all time <laughs> paired with a Hall of Fame head coach. That's it. That's all. Yeah. That's all you yeah. need. So yeah. the answer is yes, but you're still dealing with, like, infinitesimal odds, I think is, is yeah. fair to say. Yeah, because I mean, in order to be have that twenty years of dominance, I feel like you you have to win Super Bowls, and it's going to be hard for the you know the Bills to win Super Bowls when you have the likes of like I said Patrick Mahomes. You got the Bengals over there. It's a lot of good football teams to go up against, and I feel like the parity in the NFL is getting <laughs> getting greater year by year, yeah. and it's going to be hard for one team to you know win back to back Super Bowls or win you know Super Bowls and three two Super Bowls in three years and all that. So it's it's going to be hard. All right, last question. We just mentioned him, Tom Brady. Um, Lisa wants to know, what is your favorite memory of being his teammate? Favorite memory of being Tom's teammate. That's... And I'll, I'll be a good teammate and buy you some time here because we got a similar question to Belichick this morning on a radio hit he did in WEI. He was in a very good mood. Happy Labor Day. Uh, you know, refreshed, comes back. <laughs> and someone asked uh, you know, what was a memory of your time with Tom that just encapsulated your relationship? Like, not a bad question, but knowing Bill and listening to him, have I done for five and a half years? I go, and I know exactly where this is going. And he put it very dryly. He goes, well, I can think of about six of them <laughs> <laughs> winning the Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah. You know, and then you just kept going. So I, I'm sure that would be easy for you. I'm sure you have three memories in particular, but yeah. I think people want to know, like, day to day, you know, was there something he did or gift or some words or something you shared with him like you got you guys had a great relationship yeah you? I mean it's tough just to kind of pick one I just feel like for me the the moment it wasn't anything said or anything my second year I believe that was where you're playing the Philadelphia Eagles we lost that game when I oh, think no. Sproles, Sproles ran terrible game. return back all, all that stuff but that was like that was my first time. I think I had like a hundred yard receiving that game. And that was my first time. Like I, the ball coming to me that many times. And obviously to have a guy like Tom Brady, I mean, I'm a running back for, for him to be throwing me the ball, you know, that many times, I think that, you know, instilled a lot of confidence in me. And I feel like that was kind of the point in time where we kind of, I became one of his guys in a sense where he could, he could look for and, 
you know, crunch time situations on a third down, fourth down, whatever. Well, I feel like I had like a couple fourth down catches too in that moment. So I, for me, it was nothing said at that point. But to me, I feel like the trust factor just really grew between us at that point. And even my second year as well in the, again, another game that we lost, unfortunately, but in the, the AFC championship against the Broncos, mm-hmm. I had like the, whatever the, you know, 20 targets, whatever people want to call it. I mean, a lot, a few of them, they were just kind of throwing the ball away at my feet because the pass rush was getting there in like 0.1 seconds. But the fact that he was looking for me, you know, that many times in a game to make it to the Super Bowl, like I said, I just feel like that second year, that's when like our kind of, we really gelled, you know, from a running back quarterback perspective. And I, I feel like it just kept getting better as years went on. I think that's, that built a lot of confidence for me, like I said, for him, for him to trust in me in like those biggest moments. I mean, that's all he can ask for, you know, as a skill player, as a, a guy running routes or, you know, a running back in this game. Well, I love that. It, I think it's an answer that's obviously honest. It's unexpected. And I think it's things like that, that, you know, people won't think of. So, you know, yeah. it's a genuine, you're a genuine guy coming from you, but speaks to a bigger picture that we know just then the guy holding up seven rings on his finger. He hears stories as a teammate. It was, you know, he didn't do anything, you know, in the locker room. It was more what he did when it counted most and under yeah. pressure. And that's what made him so special. And so to understand that you were kind of welcomed in with that word trust, which has been the word of the summer here in New England with Mac and O'Brien and building that back up. Um, it's something that obviously you really value, hold on to this day. And now we can all kind of take a minute to appreciate because I, I literally <laughs> said, oh, no. And you mentioned that Eagles team, like, like an interception return, yeah, punt return, yeah, for, touchdown, like a yeah. kickoff return. Yeah, unfortunately, the games that I mentioned were both losses. But, <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah, miserable, just, but yeah. meaningful because yeah, me- you don't get to what you did in the yeah. Super Bowl the following year and break those records and carry yeah. the team and score the game-winning touchdown in the only full-time Super Bowl. Without, without those that. games, 100%. Yeah. I think those – as I think those games played a, for me, played a pivotal factor from for my career, from a confidence standpoint as a player, and I'll say, and even the connection between me and Tom. I feel like it just got better as after that season. Yeah, well, it was evident. You guys had two more Super Bowl wins, and uh, <laughs> you should have had more hardware from the second. But I know you're happy with the rings, <laughs> legendary career. As I mentioned, the top future Patriots Hall of Famer. You're back in the Midwest, like I said, uh, Big Ten Network. Where can the people find you? When can they watch you? Just kind of catch them up here and what you're busy with. I'm on Big Ten Network. I go on the big show on Wednesday. I'm pretty sure they aired on Wednesday nights. I'm still learning the ropes, but I'm also, I do the final drive on Saturday night. So I'm on from like 630 to like midnight. So you got Big Ten Network. Turn on the turn on the TV anywhere from 6 to midnight. You probably catch me on there. So. Awesome. I love it. You told me this off air and I just, I smile and I didn't tell you why. I mean, I'm happy for you, your success genuinely, but also just the idea that, you know, these are the midnight hours that we burn on the media side, even yeah. like 1 p.m. game, 4 p.m. game, still in the press box. There's everyone picking up trash. I'm writing trash for the paper the next day. And uh, we just kind of move forward. No, but it's, uh, it's, it's great to see because I think, you know, there's, there are guys who join media from their playing careers and you kind of ride with the knowledge that you had from your playing days, but as, you know, the further you go into it, the the less valuable that is. You know, you yeah. have to work to stay in touch with the game and talk with people. And I know you're someone who obviously got to where you are in the football field by working hard and you're going to crush the media game. And we love having this podcast. This is one of my favorite episodes and we haven't even finished yet. But we will because I've taken you a half hour too long. You need to get back to your wife and kids. But James White, everybody, thank you for coming on. I'm glad we are on the same page down to how we're going to run our offense at Foxborough Middle School. And uh, we'll have you back on midseason when you got a minute, all right? Thank you. I appreciate it. Appreciate you having me on. Thanks, James. New FanDuel customers can bet $5. 
and get 200 in bonus bets, guaranteed. Plus, all customers who bet $5 will get $100 off NFL Sunday ticket from YouTube at YouTube TV.